Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me are my two fantastic co-hosts, uh, neither of which has ever actually launched in a rocket into space and exposed to cosmic radiation that I know of. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they're doing at all times because the cameras don't work. Uh, Liz, Joe, how you doing? Liz, go for it. You first. I'm. My brain is still trying to process that intro. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I also... I also don't think I've ever been shot into space and exposed to cosmic radiation. And while I was trying to, while I was trying to process that information, it's like, wait, cameras? Wait, should I be <laughs> looking around for these? Oh, uh, Liz should, Liz should uh, have been here for the shows when we discussed how Matt was hiding in my bushes every week. <laughs> uh, so well, you just, you managed to totally derail my brain right there. There was a two and a half year long running joke that I was going to throw <laughs> Mitch into a pool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, and when I actually got out to BlizzCon, he he actually seemed a little nervous. <laughs> and I was like, "Bitch, I'm not going to throw you in a pool. It's fine. That was a joke." But anyway, so yeah, I don't actually have cameras because I don't know where you live. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I know vaguely where you live. I know Liz. I think you're in like Austin, like or in the Austin area, or are you in more? Yes, Houston? I am in the Austin area. Okay, good, I guessed right. And Joe, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're in Buffalo because you bring it up a lot. That is correct. The only the only other thing that's mentioned in TV and movies, uh, almost as much as New York City. Yep. So, what's going on? What are you up to? Come on, let's, <laughs> let's go. Uh, I am I'm having a really good week. Uh, I'm really excited because the new Magic the Gathering set, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, is releasing this week, uh, and it's something I've been looking forward to uh, for a long, long time. So I'm super well, we excited. We should also stop Joe and interrupt him here just to tell everybody it's Joe's birthday as we're recording this. <laughs> Yes, it is. It's so, a, today is the get, date of the recording. Yes. If you want to pick up Joe a present, go for it. I don't know how you get it to him, but that's between <laughs> you and Joe. Uh, Liz, what are you up to? Uh, well, I have been playing Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to finish it before the sequel releases at the end of the week, but uh, no, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cool. I have been downloading the new, like, massive 60 gigabyte patch for Cyberpunk 2077 while playing a lot of of mass effect yeah i'm dreading downloading that yeah it's big um but i've also been playing a ton of mass effect i went back and decided to do a renegade playthrough uh because i've never done a renegade playthrough like i'm always the goody goody i'm always the guy who's like you know i want to help people and be nice so but i wanted to to do a renegade playthrough because i never had and i'm coming to realize that once you get your past the thing of forcing yourself to do it because i mean i'm seriously i have very hard time being mean to people in video games I don't know what it is. I, I have a hard time being mean to people in real life too, but you're not supposed to be mean to people in real life. Whereas in video games, the guy was the guy who played a Sith in uh, the Star Wars, uh, the Old Republic MMO, and never said anything dark side, like ever, because <laughs> it was that would be mean. That's mean. I don't want to say that. So yeah, um, but I'm, I'm having a good time with it now. But we should probably move on and do that. Their top stories thing that we do here on the site, where we talk about various things that are happening in the world, video game wise. Usually, we don't talk a lot about politics because, although I guess talking about labor disputes is is sort of talking about the news. <sighs> Luckily, we don't have actually have any labor dispute news today. Although, who knows with Activision Blizzard? Uh, we do have one thing to talk about uh, that's sort of real life related Overwatch League uh, is going to get its season five. Uh, it's starting May fifth. Yep. And uh, Liz is the one who pointed this out to us because I had completely forgotten that it was happening. Um, the, the the pandemic and everything completely drove like the idea of yeah. esports out of my head. But from what I understand, 
you you said here they're going to be running an early version of Overwatch 2. Uh, that's what they've always said, which seems weird to me also, because we have seen some Overwatch 2, but we haven't seen a ton of it. We haven't heard a ton about it. And uh, but from the beginning, from the beginning, this was this season was supposed to be running an early version of Overwatch 2. So, I mean, there's a chance this will be our first comprehensive look at Overwatch 2 when Overwatch Season 5 goes live. What's interesting to me about that is that, you know, they had several, I don't know even if you could call it pushbacks. They just several times have said, okay, by the way, Overwatch 2 is not coming this year. Oh, yeah. by the way, Overwatch 2 is not coming next year. Um, so I do find myself wondering how, like, how far along their Overwatch 2 build is. Well, people I think... I think one really important thing about switching Overwatch League to Overwatch 2 sooner rather than later is that Overwatch 2 has teams of five players. Overwatch 1 has teams of six players. Mm -hmm. So that really changes up what the esports teams need to do. It would be, you know, it would be like if all WoW Mythic rating went from 20 players to 15 or something, you know? Um, your team has to change to accommodate that. So I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what kind of prompted this early switch instead of holding off and doing it later so that the esports teams could get used to this new flow, could get their team set up to have a five-player team on the... Hello? Uh, well, that was, that was just all I had to say about that. Oh. Does anyone <laughs> else have something to say? I thought you just That was out. the end of the thought. Okay. I was going to ask you, um, wasn't one of the reasons they went from six to five was because a lot of teams were running a two tank comp and they wanted to, to nip that in the bug, but I mean, not in the bug, nip that in the bug. What the heck is that? That's not a saying nip in the bud. I mean, I don't know if that was like specifically the reason or if that was like the only reason, but yes, a lot of, a lot of teams would run a tank heavy comp and you'd just be like some of the tanks in overwatch can do a lot of damage and prevent a lot of damage. and. Uh, so, I mean, I think that wasn't always fun because you had these super defensive teams and you just couldn't get through that. So maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. But they're, it's going to be a different game with five players instead of six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since we're talking about <laughs> things like that, um, I should also mention we've got some, a couple of Hearthstone things to mention here. Uh, I just got the email from Blizzard telling me about this one. I hadn't gotten it yeah. before now. Yeah, but they the just sent it out. Yeah, the Anixia's Lair uh, mini mini set has been released uh, with 35 new cards, um, which I know nothing about. I didn't, like I said, just got the email and I hadn't even seen it. But this is the kind, like the mini sets from what you said in, your e in the email, you can just buy them. Yes. Like you don't have to just buy cards, like decks, and unwrap them and hope they're there. You can just straight up buy these cards. Yeah, you can uh, flat payment. $15 or 2,000 coins from like the Hearthstone in-game currency. Um, you know, neither of which is like super extravagant in my opinion. That's not a super high price to pay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. They've started doing mini sets. I think this is their third one, maybe their fourth one. And they put them out kind of in the middle of each expansion. So we do half of the expansion, and then we get this infusion of new cards that kind of shakes up gameplay and adds something new and interesting. And I really like it that you can just buy the cards, that you don't have to buy packs and open packs. And it's like, okay, I got this, I got that, um, but I didn't get the one card I wanted. So this, you just, you give the money, you get the cards, you can play with the cards. 
You're done. Done. Easy. Yeah, I think that that's probably a better way to go. Uh, there's also the Book of Mercenaries chapter today, right? Yes, the Book of Mercenaries Brucan is out today. Uh, I have not gotten a chance to play it yet, but I love Book of Mercenaries. Uh, if you are at all interested in Hearthstone, you should go in and give it a try because Book of Mercenaries is completely free. You do not have to build decks. Though, if you don't play a lot of Hearthstone, it's probably a little challenging. Some of the fights have a lot of RNG as to whether you'll win or not. But uh, they have these great little stories. Book of Mercenaries is basically the story of a team of adventurers. And there's a horde team and an alliance team. And they're just, it's these adventurers kind of getting together and they're doing their quests through the barons. It's very heavily focused on the barons because it they started doing this during the Forged in the Barons expansion. And it's kind of an alternate universe version of World of Warcraft as we know it. They've kind of rearranged events in certain ways, and it's really interesting. They've kind of twisted the lore, and they've captured a lot of the a lot of the stuff that's great about Warcraft and great about the Alliance and the Horde. So I think they're really fun. You should play them. They're free, though you may find them frustrating if you don't play a lot of Hearthstone. All right. Uh, next thing is actually something I wanted to talk about for a while. Um, they announced on the earnings call last week that in addition to all the other things that they are doing, that Blizzard will be releasing some form of mobile Warcraft content. I believe mm-hmm. the exact phrase they used this year. That's all we know. They did not say what it was going to be. Uh, we have been hearing rumors for literally years. Like I went back and looked and going back to BlizzCon 2018, they have been talking about doing mobile stuff in the Warcraft setting. Well, they didn't even, it wasn't even a rumor then. They flat out said that they were working on something. They just wouldn't tell us what it was back then. Yeah. That's, in fact, when Alan Adam came back, uh, one of the things he was said to, to be in charge of, the, the reason they brought him back was to put him in charge of their mobile program and, and whatever they were doing for that. We still don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, they, they're really good at not telling us what it is. Um, there's obviously some rumors. That, there was a rumor forever that it was basically heavily inspired by Pokemon Go. And people were even calling it Wow Come On Go. I don't know if that was I don't know if that was a rumor or just something like people really wanted because yeah. Battle Pants seems like something it, that would just really easily translate. Well, one of the reasons I think that that, that the possible rumor, possible wish fulfillment thing Hank came about was because <laughs> Corey Stockton, who was a big deal on the WoW team at the time, was moved over to the mobile team. And the last big thing he did was Battle Pets. Like the revamp of the, yeah, of the yeah, pet yeah. system for battle pets. Now, Corey Stockton has a lot of his own problems right now um, in that he was one of the people at Blizzard who was involved in the whole Cosby Room problem from BlizzCon 2012, if you remember that, when we found out about that last year. Uh, that, that was last year, right? Yeah, yeah, of course it was. It was it was last year. It was, it was the middle yeah, of last what, year. What is <sighs> time, Ethan? I, don't I, know. I forget. Like it, Sometimes I honestly forget that it's <laughs> February 2020. Like I, I honestly feel sometimes like it's February tw- like 2022. Oh, wait. No, it is February 2022. <laughs> God. So, but seriously, like I, he, he may, I have no idea if he's even still doing anything. Um, but it does feel like a Pokemon Go style thing would have been great a few years ago. I don't know if it's still something that they would want to do. Uh, I do keep coming back to the fact that, I mean, mobile games are huge right now, but, but RTSs are big on mobile. Like there's like, I think yeah. 10 or 15 really well liked mobile RTSs. And 
it's not like they don't have RTS experience and it's not like they don't have an RTS game that they released to less than stellar, stellar response that would probably do really well on a mobile platform. Um, if you put out Warcraft three reforged as an RTS game on mobile, I think people would play it there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, just, just go ahead and speculate. Uh, what do you think they're doing? I'm going to go with Joe first because I, I, why not? I mean, it's, it's hard. It really is hard to decide because there are a lot of different avenues that they could go through. I don't know what they're going to try to do. Cause there's a couple things that they, I don't want to say that, that they can mimic, but it almost feels like you're going to take a look at what games are successful on mobile and maybe try to mimic one of them. And I think, you know, like you brought up Warcraft three is really, really good. Uh, it having an RTS is fantastic. Uh, I think that it would feel right at home on mobile. Like Command and Conquer has been successful on mobile. Like well, there hasn't been a, a standalone Command and Conquer RTS game on PC in a long time, but it's been great on mobile. Why not try to maybe re-release Warcraft Three on mobile with that route? Um, the battle pet stuff also seems like a pretty obvious in-house thing. Um, it doesn't have to be like Pokemon Go. It can literally be uh, a battle pet thing where it's like you know you best of three or maybe capturing things it's just the big question that i want to know is will this be a standalone game or is this going to be a wow mobile content that ties back to the game like the the pc game and i ask this because i remember some of their more successful like mobile apps um tied back into like the auction house and letting players actually have mobile access to in-game stuff so do they do a battle pet thing where it links to in-game where you're actually capturing uh, potential things that you can have added to your collection? Or is it a standalone thing? I, I don't know. Honestly, I'm just going to be 100% happy with, I don't want to say that, but like I'll be happy for seeing more WoW content on a different platform. And I'm curious and excited to see what they do. That's, that's I'll leave it at that. Liz? I mean, I just straight up don't know. I don't know. Because they've... They just haven't given us any clues. And saying Warcraft content, that's a hugely broad term. I mean, well, yeah, Hearthstone is considered Warcraft yeah. content, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they're talking about like, oh, this is our first mobile Warcraft game. It's like, is it? Is it really? Because, yeah, Hearthstone is based on Warcraft, even though it's not really a traditional narrative style game. And you have the the general WoW mobile app has uh, mission table stuff, which seems like gameplay, even though it's not my favorite kind of gameplay. It's there. Um, so, yeah, I OK, I kind of think the mission table, which has been kind of bland in game, could make a really fun mobile game where well, they could like actually flesh out all of these mechanics. But I also think Hearthstone has maybe already filled that niche. Well, they also used to have access to the the mission table. I don't even know if you still can. I haven't used the mobile app in a long, long time. You used to be able to do the, the mission table from the mobile app. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You used to be able. Yeah. No, I think you still can. You still can. I think you can use all of the mission tables from the mobile app except for the shipyard. I'm pretty, I'm pretty yes, sure that, that is the case. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's like they've talked about, Blizzard has talked about the mission table 
in ways that make it more than what it's turned into in game. Uh, they talked about it as an all battler before Shadowlands. That was one of the terms they used to talk about the mission table, that it was an auto battler, which sounded really fun and exciting, but that's not what made it into the game. So I wonder if you could take these features that maybe have not worked well in Warcraft, in World of Warcraft, and just yank them out and build a mobile game based around that that can be more dynamic and more interesting and more fun because that is the whole focus of the game. Maybe you could really flesh out the different characters and their abilities and things like that and make it just more engaging rather than the version of World of Warcraft, which is really a chore. It's uh, kind of, it's bland. Uh, auto look Sorry, Otto oh, called out something in chat that I thought was absolutely hilarious, and now I want it. How about a the uh, like theater voice pack for Alexa or Google Assistant? <laughs> <laughs> or also, Audi looks said, "Can we have a Pelagos as a Tamagotchi or a Tumble the Party Herald?" Like, yeah, bring back Tamagotchi. Let me <laughs> let's do a wild Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi didn't go it. nowhere, man. I know. Well, let's do a wild version. Nowhere. Let's do a wild version about it. Let's go. What? I'm gonna. Uh, here's one that I've been thinking about that I'm gonna drop on you guys to see if it horrifies you or not. Genshin Impact made $3 billion in its first year of operation. Yep. Activision Blizzard likes money. Yep. I could yeah. totally see telling the, the you know Blizzard that they had to make an action RPG with a gotcha and just make, make a gotcha game. We and want you know, a gotcha game with, with you know the Warcraft setting. And it would sell. It would. Yeah, it would sell. I mean, I, yeah, it would. And it would, if you could totally do it with like, you know, Blizzard kind of right now i'm just gonna say this overwatch is almost a gotcha game oh no 100 percent is because of the, the yeah. stupid loot boxes don't even get me started yeah but that's exactly what they they've did with overwatch how hard would it be to create like a warcraft single player action rpg that you can play in an, you know online through your phone as a gotcha game it would not be that hard i mean it'll probably be extremely hard but not the, the cons <laughs> conceptually it's sound I'm not saying I want this, but I am saying that I can imagine, you know, again, $3 billion in its first year. That's People have got to notice that. You know, companies notice when, comp when games make scads of money. Uh, there's a reason that you and get, like, for instance, I, I said today that I wasn't a really big fan of, of From Software stuff. But I understand why so many games are, like, oh, like Dark Souls. Because Dark Souls made a ton of money. You know, people want like I, you'll always end up with that kind of imitation in the games industry. So and and yeah, it, why not? I think I think the thing the the key though is like as long as it's not just a gotcha game and whatever they make is actually a good game because like Genshin Impact is fun. I play Genshin Impact. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you can not say you, anything against it. No, no, I'm just making sure like you know it's one of those things like as long as they do that and don't just lean on the gotcha entirely, they're fine. I'd be down for it. But you know and that's that's the thing. Oh, just go ahead, Liz. I, one thing is that Diablo Immortal is also kind of go, going to be like that. They have tons of in-game purchases. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's kind of the space Diablo Immortal fills in the Blizzard world. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That I might be a good think, reason not to do it. Yeah, I think if they're going to do something like that, they're going to wait to see how Diablo Immortal does first. Because do we have a release date for Immortal? I don't think we do. No, still. no. It's still kind of so, in its weird nebulous beta. And yeah, that's taken so much time to develop. Like, it seems like when we saw it the first time they demoed it at BlizzCon, it seemed pretty polished. Mm -hmm. And now it's been years. So I don't feel like that's the direction they're probably going to go. I do 
you're totally spot on. There are lots of reasons they would be interested in doing something of that formula. But I think if they do, they're going to wait to see how Diablo Immortal forms and learn from that and build on that. But since we're talking about that kind of thing, I this I don't know if you guys know, know this. We're going to be talking about some non-Blizzard games. So I've been trying to get through every Blizzard story we can before we talk about the non-Blizzard stuff. I, um, I got one to add to that when we get there, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to mention that uh, in case you missed it, because it ha- the, the, the information came out after last week's podcast, um, Shadowlands Patch 9.2 is going to be on February 22nd, which is next week as we're recording this. There's not a lot else to say about that. That's just when it's coming. Unless either of you, do either of you have anything you want to say about 9.2 before we move on to the last bit of of Blizzard news and then get into the non-Blizzard stuff? Just faster than I expected, honestly. I thought we had a little more time, so surprised. Yeah, same. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, The last thing is that we talked about uh, the Blackwing Lair season of Mastery Changes to, you know, in last week. We talked about them pretty extensively. And we're like, wow, they made all these changes and they added all these these new difficulty things. And what's that going to do? And it did, it worked. It did extend out the time. It took them 47 minutes to clear Blackwing Lair. 47 whole minutes, guys. That is mind-boggling. It's taken me 47 minutes just to run from one end of Blackwing Lair to the other. It takes me 47 minutes to do the suppression room. Yeah. I don't know how they got through the suppression room. I have to feel like they they must know some special magic trick to to get the entire suppression room to pull to them or something. Mm. I I don't know how they did that, but yeah. Liz is the one who pointed it out uh, in the, when when I was talking about it first. She's the one that pointed out that it can take a long time just just to get through Blackwing Lair. Yeah, just to and, walk through the place. It's not small. Yeah, it's and it it twists around. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it is so yeah, man. Can you imagine you pull? They started their their first pull on the trash in front of Razor and got all the way to Nefarian and killed him in forty seven minutes total. Yeah, that and I next, cannot oh. I cannot imagine that. The next guild to that. do it only took another 38 minutes can't after that. that. So, and that feels reasonable to me. Like an hour and a half feels kind of reasonable for like really progressed top of world guilds. But 47 minutes, uh, who? I don't know how you did it, but I, I really do think you should, you know, just take a bow because that's amazing. 47 <laughs> minutes. We should. Fine. We should clarify that the name of the guild that did this is who. <laughs> yes, it's a W space H space space zero. So I'm, I'm not just saying who. I'm literally that is their name. <laughs> but yeah, um, that covers pretty much. Uh, I also I did get to watch a little bit of the video of it. Did you guys get to watch any of the video of it? Not yet. No, I have not. The Nefarian fight is hilarious. It should just come <laughs> with the Akity Sax playing. <laughs> straight up it's just it's just nuts they're just all over the place i don't know how they got through that fight but somehow i'm watching it thinking any second now they're gonna wipe any second now they're gonna wipe boom he's dead i'm like sitting there going wait what they they killed him it was it's it's nuts it is amazing to watch uh but that's pretty much it for the the various blizzard stuff so um i'm actually going to talk about the thing that liz mentioned before i'm going to talk about the thing that i mentioned Star Wars The Old Republic's Legend of the Sith expansion is live as of right now. And they did a revamp of the class system, they, the combat styles thing, which decouples the story classes from the advanced classes. Because the last time I played uh, The Old Republic, that was not the case. Yeah. So that's kind of nuts. Uh, you can basically have, you know, you can have your advanced class 
it can be anything now. It, like it doesn't have anything to do with your story class. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of crazy. Um, also, I guess this is the one I didn't know because I I had not played recently enough to know this part. That Imperial Jedi were always dark and Republic Jedi were always light. I didn't even know they had Republic Jedi and Imperial Jedi anymore. Um, I just remember Jedi and Sith. I didn't know they also had a. Well, Jedi like you, I mean, I think you go. Are you Republic? Are you uh, Republic? Or are you Imperial? They had and... like the Sith Empire that they brought in like after I stopped playing. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that they had the Empire type group over there. But yeah, it's it's interesting because Ke- like it's it's been eleven years since this game started. I think it was December of twenty eleven. Well, December yeah. 2011, and it's it's January, it's January, it's February, it's February 2022. My God, time! What are you doing so- to me? <laughs> uh, but so yeah, eleven. This is its twelfth year. It will be twelve. It'll be it. It'll turn twelve on. Uh, it'll yeah. It'll turn eleven. Eleven. Yeah, on December. in December. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just wow. I kind of want to go back and play it again now. But yeah, I know the the news of the revamp. I'm like. This sounds really fun. I want to do this. Except a, how am I supposed to fit another MMO on my schedule? How, how yeah. do you even fit another game in your schedule right now? I mean, yeah, all the Horizon Zero Dawn we're going to be playing. And, <laughs> and we're going to have to like get Horizon Zero Dawn done by next Tuesday. Because then that, that's why 9.2 drops. And that's just going to be like, oh my god, what, what, are, what, what is time? So yeah. But that's... I'm, I'm actually really excited about that Legacy of the Sith change. That's pretty interesting. I... I have no idea what the story in, in the old Republic is right now. I know when I played it, it, it felt very much like a single player Bioware game. Mm-hmm. Uh, except of course that my character was, was again wearing the Sith slash Jedi equivalent of clown outfits. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's, that's really cool. Uh, the other story that we were going to mention this one, I don't think will be a surprise to anybody who knows us or knows me or knows anything about anything. Uh, Horizon forbidden West is coming out on the 18th, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And that is Friday. That's Friday. So um, I guess I'm going to be spending the weekend killing robot dinosaurs if I manage to come up with the money to buy this game, which I really, really want to do. So um, if anybody wants some blood, I'm over here. Uh, more than happy to sell you some. It's got extra iron in it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's useful. I, I just, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this because it's been five years since Horizon Zero Dawn came out. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my favorite games. It's still one of the better games out there. So even though I won't get to see it like on a PS5 and won't get to see like the full graphic beauty of it, I'm still looking forward to it just because Horizon Zero Dawn was such a beautiful game and such mm-hmm. a like mm-hmm. fun game and and really an amazing story. I, I want to see how how they approach the story of this one. I want to see how it unfolds. Um, either you have anything particularly you want to say about it? Uh, I'm in the same boat as Matt, uh, so I'm hoping that I will get to experience it this weekend. Otherwise, I'm going to try to experience it at some other point, but I'm, I've just been waiting for it. I've been super excited for this. So Yeah, basically, every ever since I finished Zero Dawn, I've wanted to play the next game because it's it's such a compelling story, and it's created such an amazing world that draws you in, and it it just makes you want to know more. You're walking through this world and you see something and you're like, I want to know about that. Or you meet a character. I want to know about that. And one of the things I noticed, I was really thinking about in my latest attempt to play through the game is the architecture and how the architecture tells the story of the world. Like if you go to Meridian, which is one of this big grand city, a capital city of the Karja, like, all of the architecture 
and clothing and, you know, the artwork there, it has designs remnant of circuit boards because these are people who grew up in a post-apocalyptic world looking at the remnants of this technology. So it has all of these circuit board kind of designs. And these people don't understand that. They are not up to that level of technology, but they've seen these things and replicated them, and it's become just a complete part of their culture. Yeah, it's just so, a, it's a geometric, geometric motif now. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just, this is our style, I guess. And it's just interesting at how beautifully it builds this world. And it draws you in. You want to know more. So I am super hyped about Zero, about, I almost said Zero Dawn. I'm so used to saying Horizon Zero Dawn that it's weird to say Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, but yeah. I'm very hyped about this game. Yeah, I, I, it is it, definitely a, a game I was looking for. And I'm going to cross-promote here. If you're interested in the story of the first game, don't want to go through and play it. I mean, you should. But if you don't, Matt and I just did a uh, an entire recap of the story of the first game over on Lorewatch. And it made me, it made me even after we were done talking about it, like super pumped to play the new game. Yep. But I think at that point, uh, we've covered pretty much everything I, we were going to talk about. I have one last quick thing to add. Oh, yeah, you said you had something. Go for it. So right before uh, we started recording, because, of course, that's sort of the thing. uh, So there's a new patch for Baldur's Gate 3 today. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 just released a massive, like, 35 gig patch because they've added Barbarians finally. So I know some people have been excited Uh, for that one. Hold on, guys. Um, (laughs) I got to go have a good podcast. I'll talk to you later. Um, no, seriously, Joe, <laughs> what, what are you doing? I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm about. Uh, but yeah, like it, literally, cause I've been waiting for, for barbarians and I know you were too. And I wanted to make sure it didn't fall off your radar. I mean, I would have found out tonight when I started up my, you know, my one thing about the, the world that we live in now is that I often, I find myself just starting up programs so that my various game patches will download and update without me having to tell them to do it. So, yeah, I would have found out tonight, but now I know now. So the rest of this podcast is going to be me thinking about barbarians. Yes, I've done my <laughs> so job. It, it changes nothing, really. That's what I, half of what I think about all the time anyway. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> thanks for letting us know that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, anyway, that's been the Blizzard Watch podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, and uh, I'll see you. I don't know next week because I mean, there's a lot to play. So I, mean, I don't know when I'll see you again, but. No, no, uh, that's not the case. We're not leaving so I can go run off and download a patch as much as we probably should. Anyway, um, we're going to do that thing where we talk about various questions that you guys send to us. Uh, we have multiple ways you can get those to us. The first, of course, is you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Or if you'd rather use our Discord, you can absolutely use our Discord. Uh, we've got the Q. The patron Q and podcast questions channel, that's for patrons, uh, because, you know, one of the benefits of being a patron. So, you know, sign up to our Patreon, um, you know, patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Uh, if you do that, you get to ask us questions and we answer them because, you know, that's that's the deal. That's one of the, one of the benefits of being a patron. Uh, another benefit of being a patron actually is that we'll write up character profiles for you. I'm supposed to be working on a D&D one and don't tell Liz there's no way she'll find out if you don't tell her, but I actually forgot until she brought it up again this week. <laughs> don't let her know that. I want her to think I'm competent. Um, but yeah, that's one of the other things you can get if you become a patron. 
The uh, other channel you can ask questions in is the Q Questions channel. That one's for people who aren't patrons. We, we do still look there, too. Uh, one of the questions this week is from there. But uh, as is always the case, since, again, I pointed out earlier, eyes, my eyes are horrible. I'm going to have Liz and Joe read the questions. This time, I'm not going to do a dice roll. I'm going to do I Spy With My Little Eye. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I Spy With My Little Eye, something that starts with B. I could go really dark here, but I don't want to. <laughs> Well, do something. I don't understand what we're doing. What you have to. You have to guess here? what I'm looking at. I'm going to say guess a book. Um, okay, Liz. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm blanking here. What? What? I'm looking around my desk and thinking. Okay, what's sitting here that starts with a B? I got nothing. I got nothing. You. You threw this on me unexpectedly. <laughs> How am I yeah. supposed to? Do you? What do you think? I'm a creative thinker or something like that? Yeah, I do actually. Anyway, it's a, it's a baseboard. I was looking at the baseboard oh, where our TV is. So I'm gonna guess I'm gonna have to just say Liz. Actually, you know what? Joe was pretty close. I got a ton of books around me, so I wasn't looking at a book. But go, Joe. All right. Our first question comes from Ness. Uh, while I have never played any of the Assassins games, my son keeps me well informed on the story, whether I'm interested or not. Lately, he has been listening to your shows with me and asked me to send in a question surrounding a certain NPC who appears in both Origins and Valhalla. Rita appears to be the same person in both games. How can this be the same person given the significant time difference between the two games? Well, I'll tell you right now, unless either of you guys wants to answer this. Go ahead, Matt. No, go for it. Okay. Um, first off, it's not explained in the game, and it's never, strictly speaking, say, stated that Rita, Rita is the same person. They, it clearly is, but they don't say anything. They don't really address it. He has a letter from Bayak, however, which would imply that, he, yes, he knew Bayak, so yes, he is. I believe he would be something like 800 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Considering that Cassandra shows up in this game, yep, and Cassandra was born in like 432 BC, and she's you know she's looks exactly the same, and she's well over a thousand when she shows up. Um, there are things called pieces of Eden in the Assassin's Creed setting. They were created by the Isu, the uh, advanced race that existed before humanity, and that created humanity to serve as a servitor race. The pieces of Eden have various you know technological abilities, some of which can directly control human minds, others of which can do other things. Uh, if you have the right genetic code, for lack of a better word, if you are descended from a, a, one of the Isu, if you're a human-Isu hybrid, you can use these pieces of Eden in, in new and different ways. And one of the pieces of Eden that we see in Assassin's Creed Syndicate is a Shroud of Eden that, while worn, prevents the wearer from dying. Like, you don't age, you don't die. Uh, another one of these pieces of Eden is, is the Staff of Hermes Trismegistus, which uh, we see that Cassandra carries around for like 2,400 years. As long as she has it, she doesn't age at all. Uh, much like the, the shrouds, it's even more powerful. So does Rita have a piece of Eden that allows him to do this? I don't know. He has, there's been no sign of it, but we know that the pieces exist. We know that they can do these wonderful things because they have extremely advanced Isu nanotechnology involved in them. Maybe he got had one of them used on him once, and it changed him, and he has not aged since. That's a question that you know they have not addressed. It has not come up yet. Yeah. We don't know, but it is quite possible in this setting for people to live for much longer than they than they normally would. Yeah, and they kind of at least two two characters we know of who lived at least several hundred years. And I was going to say, and they kind of talk about that in the the new DLC that came out for. 
uh, Valhalla with that involved Cassandra, uh, they they talk about that. They talk about how she is essentially functionally immortal. Um, they don't go into extremely extreme details about it, but there are there are folks in the mythology of the world that that have the ability to essentially be for all intents and purposes immortal uh so it's not uncommon that's all yeah, that pretty much answers the question yeah so. that means liz you're all up right. next <laughs> i mean i i've never played origins so and i haven't played valhalla yet so i have very limited input here okay well i mean we can always move on to the next question which is also your turn ah uh, making me read stuff gosh sure. okay <laughs> No, it's hard work. Don't sass me. It's my birthday. (laughs) Grim Servitors of the Glacier God. What's the best game to pick up as a complete newbie to the Diablo series? I want to play it, but I have no idea which of the three games I should start with. And that question is from Joey Jojo Jr. Uh, Shabadabado. Am I saying that right? Shabadabado. Uh, that's that is a great name. That's a fantastic name. Uh, Diablo, I would say, you know, pick up two or pick up three. The Diablo two resurrected. Very good. Still very good. I know it's an old game, but it's still very good. It's been beautifully remastered and they're continuing development on it, you know, making things that are new, but still in the spirit of Diablo two. Really, really fun. And Diablo three. Also really fun. Different game, similar similar gameplay, but not the same. They have different classes, but they're in the same world, and they both have a very similar feel. But they're both great. They're both a lot of fun. I would, like, flip a coin and decide. Yeah, I, I'm going to say the only one I would say not to start off with mm-hmm. would be Diablo. Yeah, don't, don't play Diablo. Yeah. Not, don't, not don't ever play it. I'm actually going to say that it is. Not, not first. It should not be your yeah. first Diablo game. Don't don't make it your first one because you will have no idea what's going on when you get to Diablo 2, which is really the game that everybody thinks of when they think of Diablo. I would actually say play Diablo 2 first. I, I will just straight up say that. Go with Diablo 2. Um, I, but Diablo 1 is a very old game and it feels mm, its age, mm-hmm, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those places where like I want to say something like, preach it, Liz, but then it's like, why am I saying <laughs> But yeah, in, in terms of like, since Immortal isn't really out yet, you can't play that. And since Diablo 4 is just a dream at this point, you can't play that. So yeah, either 2 or 3. I think for most people, 2 is a little easier to get into because the pace is a little slower to start. Um, and it also brought... It, it's got stuff that people think of when they think of ARPGs. It's got everything that people think of when they think of this genre. So I would say start with Diablo 2. You can go into Diablo 3 afterwards. So I'm going to be the odd one out, I guess, uh, and make the hard line that I think Diablo 3 is a more accessible game. I think that it, for modern sensibilities, will make the most sense to you probably coming in from more modern games. Not that I don't love Diablo 2. I still play the heck fire out of uh, the remastered version, but Diablo 3 is definitely more user-friendly in terms of speed, getting the items and making... And, and I don't want to say simplicity's sake, but... It's one of those games that was designed with like a controller in mind. And so you, the interface is very slick and sleek and easy to navigate. It's not too bad to navigate around. So I think it is extremely good as far as like a first timers game goes. Um, Diablo 2, the remastered version is very, the Reforged version, remastered version is very, very good. 
uh, and it definitely captures that as well. And there, there really is no wrong answer, but that's just kind of the way I, I sort of lean on this one. Also, I would like to shout out to the fact that uh, I got your Simpsons reference, uh, and I'll catch you at Moe's Tavern. So thanks very much, Joey, Jojo, Junior, Shabbat. Uh, so unless we have anything else to add, I'll go on to the next one. Yeah, I, I think I'm done. All right. Go for it. Hey, watchers. Oh, wait, one thing. Play Barbarian. Yes, Barbarian is very good. <laughs> Matt's going to be thinking about barbarians for a while now. Uh, hey, what watchers. That barbarian? <laughs> How long in your mind does it take for people to start asking a certain race class, asking for certain race class combos in the group finder after patch 9.2.5 comes on? Uh, and which race's popularity will plummet because of their inferior utility skills? With best regards, uh, I cannot, pre- I've, I'm going to butcher this and I, I apologize. Isanshi, which is a troll warlock from Alonso CU. Uh, if you want the my cynical answer, ten seconds after the patch comes out. If you want the real <laughs> answer, it's going to depend. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot less as far as like nitpicking the race class combinations than we did with just pure spec, uh, like that we did before. Like I've complained about it before on this podcast, and I've complained about it before elsewhere, and I know others that I talk to have complained about it as well. Certain content. There's a mindset that you just don't take certain class spec combinations. I've not heard of the race class combos being that very picky yet. Uh, it's not like it used to be like back in vanilla where you're like you had to have a dwarf priest for fear war. You had to. Otherwise, certain encounters you could not do. It's not like that anymore. So I don't know if it's if it will actually be a thing. But the cynic in me is going to say, as soon as somebody makes a post about this is the most optimal thing, then you're immediately going to start seeing groups that will turn down uh, race class combos and group finders uh, if they're not the ones that are the most optimal. That's just going to happen at some point. So what do you guys think? Um, I'm going to ask, like, do you mean like when 9.2 comes out? Or are we waiting for 9.2.5 or something to happen? Like, why Because would it- in... In 9.2.5, we're going to get cross-faction gameplay. And so it's like all of a sudden your Horde Guild could be raiding with Mecha Gnomes who have some very powerful racials. So are people going to start to say, I only want a Mecha Gnome? And I think think they will. But there are always people going to min-max. And those people are going to min-max no matter what the feature set is. So... I I would be surprised if they wait until nine two five launches to make requests like that. I'm yeah, sure it's going to start before. I didn't realize this was based on the idea of you now you have access to the other factions' races. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that does change things. But the thing is, from what <laughs> I understood of it, you won't be able to group with any with just any like mechanome. You'd only be able to group with the mechanomes that that somebody that in your group was friends with. Like they have to, you, you have to be friends with them. Like this isn't just free and clear, free for all, you know, cross faction. It's cross faction play for people who are like real ID or, or battle to battle net friends. Am I mean, one of the things, well, yes and no, because one of the things in the announcement that was not clearly explained, it talked about using group finder to make cross faction groups. And it talked about having an option to set your group as available to both factions or to stick with your faction for people who didn't want to do cross-faction. But it didn't explain how any of this would work. And it did make a point about you're going to have to be friends with these people. So I don't know how it'll work, but it does sound like you'll be able to do group just randomly grabbing people. Yes, I had not understood that part. I guess I just had, I guess I skimmed over that part. I but, didn't under I don't understand it either exactly because they've kind of said both things. 
See, it's interesting because, I mean, let's assume for the moment that you can group Finder with people of both factions. Let's just assume that that's the case so we can talk about this. I think that there, I don't think it will actually have that much of an impact because it doesn't now. Like, I've never actually had anyone say, like, I've done, like, I've done Keystone stuff in Pugs where they, people have, like, very deliberately been looking for specific classes. I've never had anyone say, you know, okay, we're doing Mythic 15. I want to get some Mecha Gnomes in here. I've literally never had that happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because the world is a vast place well, and people I, are different. I think that was the point I was trying to make is I think the, the race part of it makes far less of an impact than it used to is what I was trying to basically get at. And I think you were right. Yeah. But, but because this, the group finder thing, like saying specific classes, they're not going to, there's no class on the Alliance side that the horde doesn't have anymore. Like there's, there's no, no, no but some, some, some racials used to make certain classes better, right? Like you, yeah, could absolutely. Have, like the, like the blood elf one or, or like, um, high mountain priests used to be like the new hotness because of the, the, the increase in versatility. Like that was, yeah, but I, I haven't seen anything like that this expansion and i don't think 9.2.5 is going to suddenly create that i don't think mechanomes are gonna sweep the horde even though they have they have util- i actually don't know what their racials are i'll be up front i haven't played a mechanome like what's what are their racials i will defer to liz on that one i don't remember uh well now i have to pull it up okay well while you're doing that um <laughs> like I, I just i don't think it's going to make that big a deal because i i haven't seen the alliance players doing that so why would the horde players suddenly be doing it? um but that's just me. Uh, okay, we have Hyper Organic Light Originator, which summons two organic light duplicates to distract your foes on a three-minute cooldown, so it's basically like a mirror image. Uh, combat Analysis, where you gather combat data every five seconds, increasing your primary step by four, stacking up to eight times, and it decays while out of combat. Uh, Mastercraft, which you function as a personal blacksmithing, anvil, cooking fire, and mining <laughs> forge. Uh, which I thought was always cute. In addition, your limbs include every profession tool. Uh, emergency failsafe, when you fall below 20% health, you heal for 15% of your maximum health. This effect cannot occur more than once every 2.5 men. So basically, they have, they have a built-in ins, uh, anti-instigate. Uh, mm. Skeleton Pinky, yeah. allowing opening of locked chest and doors on a similar level to yours. Their racials are really good. Those are Those are definitely really yeah. good. I mean, emergency failsafe is something that could be a lifesaver if you're a tank in a raid or a high-end Mythic Plus. That could, I mean, that could be a make-or-break thing in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, don't, I, I still mean, don't I, see it, like, actually dominating people doing Group Finder. I mean, maybe I'm overly optimistic about people, but... I don't think it'll dominate, but I think it's possible. Um because particularly the allied races seem to have stronger racial abilities than the original races. And, you know, the people who are really, really, really hyper min-maxing, you know, are going to think about things like this. Like um, during the last Race for World First, I believe Limit switched everyone they could to a goblin to get that goblin rocket jump thing to get over the balls on Painsmith. Like, I think that was a legitimate strategy. They were trying for a certain amount of time. Um, So there are many people who think about this, but I think it's going to be a tiny, tiny fraction of people. I wouldn't worry too much about it. And if it becomes a big issue, this is where we talk about players giving constructive feedback. That would be a good point to, to constructively say, hey, this is what I've been experiencing. 
this is what players are doing, you know, stuff like that, and, and let make sure that the devs know that it's a thing that's happening. So constructively, don't yell at them. Never yell. All right. So I think our uh, next up, I think that's going to be you, Liz. Are you ready? You got hello. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Blizzard Watch crew. I am really enjoying Tavern Watch and your D&D campaigns. Thank you very much for listening. We have a lot of fun playing them. I was wondering if there was anything in WoW that you would love to see play in D&D, like specific spells, classes, class specializations, monsters, etc. Also, have you ever considered making and selling your own homebrew D&D content, perhaps as a Patreon reward even? I think it would be cool to see some WoW dungeons or raids adapted, reskinned for use in D&D. Cheers! And I don't have a name on that one. Um, I think the really cool thing about D&D is that you can do anything. Like, it's not like, it's not like there are things off limit. It's not like I couldn't play a, uh, I don't know. It's not like I couldn't play a Windwalker monk in D&D because they don't have a class called Windwalker. It's like you can... You can mix and match and make things exactly the way you want in D&D, provided your DM is cool with it. You can always sort of twist things and make them into the fantasy you want to be living. Um, so I don't, I don't really have anything I can think of that I want. Titan Because crap. it's like... <laughs> <laughs> that, that used to be a thing in D&D in 3.5. I mean, monkey grip, yeah. Yep. I want Titan's grip. I actually put Titan's grip in. Just nobody's... <laughs> I've never gotten to use it. But I, I did come up with rules for titan's grip for D. but it's like if if you want it just say okay i want to do this and then figure out a way that makes sense to do it so i don't i don't see that it's a big limitation really I, yeah, wanna... I played in a game a friend of mine ran where i played a uh very cool uh hunter who was i used a ranger class uh and i had a an animal companion that was a big old big old lion and yeah i had a great time it, it doesn't it's not very hard i mean keep in mind too that you can just you can just say, you know, you could just take the stats for like a Goliath and just say that's a Rykul. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, you don't have to actually. You don't even have to design them. Like you could just Torin. There are already Minotaurs in WoW. Orcs. We got Orcs. Trolls. Uh, trolls would be. It's a little different than the D and D version of a troll, but you could come up with something. It really isn't that hard. So yeah. Picture it. PAX East, Boston, Massachusetts, 2012. You're just sitting down at a table and somebody hands you a deck of cards and they tell you you're going to be playing a paladin. And that paladin is going to be fighting against the Lich King with a couple of his other buddies in a dungeon reenactment of the Frozen Throne. Uh, there are some crossover stuff that I would actually really love to see in that particular thing. Like the classes and everything I think are fantastic that you can just you you can make a one to one equivalent or close enough and just skin it however you want. As far as Warcraft goes, we've done it. Players can do it, have been have been doing it. Uh, you can also upscale some of the old 3.5 content or 3.0 content. Sorry, 3.0 content uh, back when, uh, you know, WoW actually had a tabletop book. Uh, Matt and I both own this thing. It's sitting on our shelves. Yep, it's true. Um, but I would love to see maybe a supplement where you have a guided experience that mimics some of the classic raids or dungeons. And yes, we can rebuild them ourselves. Um, and as a matter of fact, I have done BRD uh, and a few other places for parties that don't play WoW just to kind of see how they would react. And I set it up the discovery just like it would be going through the actual dungeon itself. And those were good times. But 
having like an official book of here's a tome of raids from Warcraft's history converted into uh fifth edition or whatever edition you want, I think would be cool. Um, the other, However, th- there are some things called rights that would be very difficult exactly. to get. Exactly. Yes. And that's, and that's part of the answer to the second question, right? Uh, have you ever considered making or selling your own homebrew D and D content? Uh, Matt and I have talked about this a lot, actually. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. It is a surprising amount of work. Oh yeah. Um, and, and there are Patreons out there that are devoted entirely to doing only that. Um, and they literally spend an entire month generating a couple things of content. Um, I'll shout out one of the ones that I, I have for 3D printing. Archvillain Games also releases a fifth edition supplement uh, with all of their models that they release for that month that revolves around the theme of that month's models. And it's a complete adventure. And they it and I have talked with them in the past. They have an entire team that only does that. And it's a team. Um, it is a very labor-intensive thing. We have considered it. We have considered it, uh, bringing it up to Liz and, and Dan uh, and, and everybody else as far as, like, you know, maybe possibly having Patreon rewards for it. But it's, it is an all-encompassing thing. It is something that... It's a that, very aggressive amount of work. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is, especially for wow. the three of us, um, you know, or whoever else would want to try to do it. It's it's a lot. You would need somebody devoted to it. Not off the yeah. table, but it's... It's not very likely at this time. And doing anything like uh, us selling anything with WoW dungeons in it, no, that's that's we never going to happen. We cannot do that. Yeah. yeah, we would get sued like into another state of existence. Uh, and <laughs> and plus, we just I don't think we really would want to, um, just because you know that's I don't want to be in an adversarial relationship with them. That's not that's my thing. I I, I use their stuff in home games, sure, because. Why not? For one thing, I bought the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that that we might someday do something like one of the things that I actually did like doing uh, was <clears throat> showing like when we might do a thing where we explain how, like an article, where we explain exactly how to do an adaptation. We've done adaptation articles before, but uh, an undertaking like that, Joe is not wrong. It, it is, it is a ton of work, especially for just a couple people. Um, it takes a lot of people to make a, a role-playing supplement. Um, even when it's just one guy working at home and that, that does happen, it takes them months to yeah, get like a one long thing time. Out. Yeah. So, yeah. So not that, and I don't want you to think that we think your idea is bad or anything like that. We, we think it's a good idea. It's just one of those things that we've talked about it a lot. We'll probably talk about it more in, in the future. Yeah. So and if some billionaire ever comes along and decides they want to give us <laughs> like $10,000 a month to do it, then I, I could quit my job and, you know, which would be weird because this is my job, but I could quit this job <laughs> to do that job for the same people. Yes. I don't know. So, so all of you millionaires out there looking to make an investment, just let me and Matt know. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's basically I, a lot I of am, time, though. Liz, oh, Liz, go ahead, Liz. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm 100% for it if we wanted to do it. But just like y'all said, it's a lot of work and we are a very small team. And sometimes we just don't have the resources to do things that we really, really want to do. Like, um, I'll tell you right now, um, art is extremely important yep. for for a role-playing supplement. Like if you make D&D content, it's very hard to do it and not have art. Let me let me tell you the story of how I'm going through trying to find an artist right now. I mean... <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. And it's not that we don't know artists we could ask, but it's just... I want to make sure I pay them. Right. Yeah, you have to pay them, and you have, and you absolutely have to pay them, and you have to pay them fairly. It's, that's yep. not a problem. But 
it is yet another thing to deal with. And it's like herding cats just to get, you know, it's just, a, it is a lot of work. And then graphic designers so, on top of that, yeah, and then layout yeah, designers, then editors to go through and make sure that it is actually not, I don't want to be that person that releases content that has monster misspelled. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause Liz will see it and then we'll never hear the end of it. But there's, there's a lot of backend I, stuff that goes into it. I'm seriously imagining like if I misspelled monster in a thing. And, if and I then, release a, if I release any content that has any misspelled anything, I can feel Liz traveling over TCPIP <laughs> to strangle me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I think at this point we are at the point where we need to wrap it up because it is time to do that. It is. So, so thank you folks. Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast citing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the Q and an ads free site experience. Um, also Joe, can you say that thing about us supporting Activision Blizzard and other people? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we do this at the end of every show, but as a reminder, uh, Blizzard watch stands with the employees of Activision Blizzard, as well as the rest of the game industry and all other industries and demanding change for a better tomorrow, a safer work environment and fair treatment. There's a little tradition here at Blizzard watch that, that I've not done in a while. And I was kind of hoping would never do again where I savagely bite my tongue at the end of a show. <laughs> And I've done it again, folks. <laughs> it, the tradition lives. Happy birthday, not, Joe. I give you my blood. Not recommended. <laughs> no, it's not a good idea. So mm. why, that's the reason I was like, could you say that thing? Because I was trying desperately to swallow the mouthful of blood I gave myself. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's, it tastes wonderful, too. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <sighs> this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. Uh, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>